Welcome to Secrets to Victorious Living podcast. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. I'm Lucia Claiborne. Thank you for joining me today as we discover God's secrets to help you overcome life's challenges. This will help you become victorious in every area of your life. Today's your day to start walking in and experiencing a greater level of victory. Today is the last podcast on perfecting your love walk, and I'm going to share how to overcome offenses. Even though we're walking in love, we have opportunities to get offended every day. The Greek definition of offense is the part of a trap to which the bait is attached, hence the trap or snare itself. And Webster's definition is the act of creating resentment, hurt feelings, displeasure. The condition of being offended, especially of feeling hurt, resentful, or angry. Jesus talked about offense in Luke 17, 1 and Matthew 18, 7, as he's talking to his disciples and told them that offense was sure to come, but much sorrow would come on the person that brings the offense. Offenses work the same way as the trapper who sets his trap. He places the bait in the center of the trap sets the locking device, and deliberately hopes to catch his prey unaware, causing his innocent victim to be at the mercy of the trapper. People who become offended are usually trapped innocently as they go about their normal daily routines and suddenly find themselves pulled into an offensive situation that causes hurt and resentment that grows until the person being offended decided to strike back. It can escalate into a situation that causes all kinds of hatred and bitterness. Offenses will come, but you can overcome them and not let them rule your life. The important thing to remember is that it's not the trap itself that is the offender. It's the trapper who sets the trap. Ephesians six ten and 12 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These verses are describing Satan's tactics. Whenever he brings a plan to cause an offense, he's setting you up for destruction. Jesus realized Satan was the real offender in Mark 16:21 and 23, when Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him for telling the disciples that he was going to suffer and die. Jesus turned to Peter and rebuked Satan, but continued loving Peter. The proper response to an offensive situation is to respond the same way Jesus did. Rebuke the devil. That does two things for you. First, you're exercising your authority, and this stops the devil from hurting you. Second, it helps you recognize that it's the devil and not people who set up the offense against you. Continue loving the offender so they see the love of God through you. Jesus continued loving Peter, and even though Peter denied him three times, Jesus forgave him. Satan will set a plan against you because you're a detriment to him, and you're important to God. Satan knows us. He can tailor specific bait for the snare that will provide him the greatest opportunity with us. Different baits work different for different people. His plan is specifically designed to fit your weakness because he's after your testimony. He wants to immobilize you. 
Satan brings offenses to distract you from your destiny. These wounds cause you to isolate yourself in order to keep from getting hurt again. The devil may use your spouse, your children, a friend, an enemy, or a stranger as bait to try and break up relationships. As he uses these people, he is mainly trying to kill your fellowship and joy with God and others. If you've been striving to live for God and be a witness to those around you, you may suddenly find that you no longer have that joy to share with others. But it doesn't have to be that way. Let's look at what we can do to overcome this type of situation. Romans chapter 14 deals with human relationships and how we're supposed to live with our fellow man. This chapter tells us how we're to be more concerned with our own actions rather than the actions of other people. Verse 12 tells us we're going to give an account for ourselves to God so that it's important what happens in us rather than what happens to us. Look at Adam and Eve. Each tried to blame someone else for what they did instead of taking responsibility for their own actions. However, each one of them had to answer to God for what they did. We'll also give an account for what we do and how we react to offenses when they come. It's our responsibility to keep a clear conscience by doing what the Word of God tells us to do. If you're walking in the love of God, there's no room for offenses in your life. The way you react to an offense is a reflection of your spiritual maturity. The armor of God that God talks about in Ephesians 6 is designed to guard and protect us. We're to guard our hearts because out of it flows the issues of life. One way to guard our heart is by reading the Bible because it tells us how to handle the hurts we experience in life. If you've been caught in a trap of offense, don't let it be a stumbling block for you. Let God do the judging and keep your heart pure toward God and the other person. Now, the key to overcoming offenses is to choose to forgive. Forgiveness is the all-encompassing factor. If Jesus can forgive us when we were yet sinners, we can forgive others because of his example in Ephesians 4:31 and 32. You can totally change your life by operating out of God's love. His love will enable you to overcome and forgive so you can keep your focus in the right direction. Psalms 119:165 tells us, "Great peace have they which love the law, the law of love and nothing shall offend them. We can emerge victorious in every test and trial by simply choosing to forgive the person that has caused us pain and by choosing to remember God's blessings instead of focusing on the pain caused by the offense. We can trust God to turn our trials around and make something good from the bad that the enemy tries to bring into our lives. God is faithful to turn our situation around if we love Him and are fitting into His purpose. This is a conditional promise. We need to check up on ourselves to ensure that we're loving God, fitting into His purpose for our life, and then the good will come from the bad. Just as Joseph trusted God to turn his situation around, God will turn your situation around. This may be hard to hear, but doing good to someone is the antidote when you're on the receiving end of evil. 1 Peter 2.23 in the Amplified Bible tells us, When Jesus was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. He was abused and suffered. He made no threats, but he trusted to him who judges fairly. Jesus knew God could not judge wrongly. 
as an element of faith, you can believe God will judge fairly for you, and you can get rid of the unforgiveness that's trying to stay in your heart. God only has one thing in mind for you, and that is to give you life and life more abundantly. He's already called you an overcomer, but you can't have the abundant life if you're harboring offense in your heart. You overcome offense by staying focused on God's Word and doing what He tells you to do. Remember that in any offending situation, your human will is involved and you must decide how to handle offense. Here's a simple three-step guideline to handling offense when it comes. First, you want to repent and ask God to forgive you for your sins and for allowing the offense to get a foothold in your life. Second, Choose to forgive the pain caused by someone and choose to remember God's blessings. Remind yourself that God forgave your greatest debt of sin, so you should be able to forgive someone else. And the third step is to walk in love. In order to obey the law of Jesus, you must love your neighbor as yourself. You must decide to walk in the agape love of God. Agape love is of the heart. It's unconditional love and a deliberate assent of the will. It's found in forgiveness when we choose not to dwell on the offenses that have been committed against us. When you do this, your joy will be made full, and it will be so easy to praise God for what He's done for you, and then others will want what you have. Right now, I'd like you to close your eyes and see the person or the people who have hurt you. Now take that person or those people out of your heart and place them in your hands. When you're ready to forgive them of the offense that they've committed against you and to trust God to judge them and issue that judgment correctly, then lift your hands up to God and separate your hands. Now choose to forgive them. Let them go and let God deal with them. With your hands still lifted and opened up to Jesus, receive the healing anointing from Jesus that will heal your heart and set you free. I'd like to pray for you right now. So if you would just stop what you're doing and close your eyes. Lord, I pray for those who have been hurt and wounded by an offense. I pray for the release of your anointing upon their heart at this very moment. Lord Jesus, I ask you to release the love of God upon them, healing every pain, every hurt, and every wound. We receive this by faith in the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to remind you that although you've chosen to forgive, you'll still have to walk out that process of healing with your emotions. The anointing of God is currently doing a work in you, and your emotions must line up to the delivering, healing, liberating, overcoming power of the anointing of Jesus Christ. That's God's promise to you, so rely on Holy Spirit to help you. We have to choose to walk in love and forgiveness so we can fellowship and walk with God. To walk in love means to walk in the Spirit of God because love is a fruit of the Spirit. God's very nature is love, and as born-again believers, we're born of love. The nature of God is in us. We just need to let it rule us. Have you ever heard someone say they just don't love their husband or their wife anymore? Or they just can't love their neighbor or their family member? Well, if you're born again, you can't say those things. You can't say that you don't love because God's word tells us we have God's divine love in our hearts. We just need to decide to walk in God's love and let it flow from us. According to John 13, 35, the first fruit of our recreated born again human spirit is love. It says, By this, 
All will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. God loved us when we were unlovely sinners and his enemy. If God loved us with so great a love when we were sinners, think about how much he loves us as his children. In the new covenant, the only commandment Jesus gave us was the love commandment. And according to Romans 5, 5, he put the love of God in our hearts when we were born again. When we talk about love, some people get spiritual love mixed up with natural love. Natural love is selfish, but the love of God is not. We need to let that love of God dominate us and make a difference in our lives and in our homes. Love is the best answer. God wants us to grow in His love because by loving people, we'll have a harvest of rich rewards in this lifetime. When you fall more in love with Jesus, it will be reflected in your life and other people will want what you have. I want to remind you that God loves you with an everlasting love. You're more than a conqueror and he's created you to live a victorious life over everything Satan tries to bring in your life. As I close today, I invite you to visit luciaclayburn.com for resources and faith confessions to help you live a victorious life. Be sure to listen in next week as I begin a new series on prayer.